Welcome to The Sad Bastard. I'm your host, Dave Tarnowski. Currently a not-so-sad bastard, and I know that's not exactly on brand for me, but I'm feeling pretty good lately. Um, Lately is in the past week, you know. I know full well that the pendulum will swing back to feeling like shit not too far in the future. I discussed last week, that's the nature of my bipolar disorder. But, you know, gotta enjoy the good times while you got them, because the bad times will always be lurking. Enough about me. Let's get to uh, some of the submissions by my followers so I can talk more about me. Jessica writes... What would you tell your former 28-year-old self? You are wise, and I am 28 and feel lost. Well, Jessica, um, thanks for saying I'm wise. I don't feel that way all the time. I'm just 42. I've lived. I've experienced things. And, um, I've grown, especially over the last couple of years. When I was 28, I felt nothing but anger and disappointment towards myself. Or rather, my inner 14-year-old did. When I was 14, I told myself I was going to be a famous novelist. By the time I was 28. (laughs) So, that's sort of what attracted me to your response was that age. Because, why 28? Why the fuck... Did I think I was going to be anything by 28, you know? And that, that's that's the thing. When, um, when, you know, what I would call kids write into me, you know, like teenagers, and they're just like, ugh, I feel like life is pointless. What am I going to do? You know, it, it makes me smile because I remember being like that, you know? You just see your whole life in front of you and you're just fucking scared. You know, it just seems so big. The unknown is... Ugh. So when I was 14, I said I was going to be this famous novelist and not, you know, a stoner in a failing marriage like I was at the time working at a dead-end job in a law firm. A law firm that, for some reason, I still have dreams about, or nightmares or whatever. Very weird. But when I got to 28, and I was disappointed in myself, because I was still that 14-year-old kid. I was still that little sad bastard. Much like I was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and so on. We always carry our former selves with us as we grow. And often we can regress to certain ages during times of stress and trauma. There's this great short story by Sandra Cisneros called Eleven that I highly, highly recommend everybody read. And it's like three pages long, so it'll take you, you know, five minutes to read. 
And I'm not going to read the whole thing here because this isn't story time with the sad bastard. That's not actually a bad idea. <laughs> but I do want to read the beginning, the opening few paragraphs. Because it sums up what I'm trying to say far more eloquently. Even though it's written from the perspective of an 11-year-old girl. So, it starts... What they don't understand about birthdays, and what they never tell you, is that when you're 11, you're also 10, and 9, and 8, and 7, and 6, and 5, and 4, and 3, and 2, and 1. And when you wake up on your 11th birthday, you expect to feel 11, but you don't. You open your eyes and everything's just like yesterday, only it's today. And you don't feel 11 at all. You feel like you're still 10. And you are. Underneath the year that makes you 11. Like some days you might say something stupid, and that's the part of you that's still 10. Or maybe some days you might need to sit on your mama's lap because you're scared. And that's the part of you that's 5. And maybe one day when you're all grown up, maybe you will need to cry like if you're 3. And that's okay. That's what I tell Mama when she's sad and needs to cry. Maybe she's feeling three. Because the way you grow old is kind of like an onion, or the rings inside a tree trunk, or like my little wooden dolls that fit one inside the other, each year inside the next one. That's how being 11 years old is. And that's how being 28 is, Jessica, or 42 for that matter one year inside the other inside the other like a big Russian doll now obviously Sandra Cisneros wasn't 11 when she wrote that she was in her late 30s that is some hard won self-awareness that no 11 year old is going to possess and if they do I really want to meet that kid because certainly I was not that self-aware at 11 I mean everyone called me a little old man back then because I was upset always so serious, but um, I definitely wasn't that self-aware at 28 either. I didn't really start thinking in terms of like, you know, having all of these inner kids or inner adults until my late 30s when I was in therapy to work through all the trauma, you know, all the trauma as a kid, even if you have a good upbringing. You're shaped by those years. Just as you're shaped by your recent years. You know, I was dealing with the trauma that I had when I was 35 and 34 and 33 and so on. I've been dealing a lot with 35 and 36 and 37 and 38 and 39 and 40 and 41 year old me lately. After my ex and I split, start of this summer, I briefly stayed with my friend Carolyn in Baltimore. I was an absolute wreck. And one morning, it was a couple of days into it, she, um, she went out of town for a day, and so I was just alone in her place. And it was the first time I'd been alone since, um, since the split. And, um, so I was in Carolyn's bathroom. Um, it was the first thing in the morning and I was, you know, 
on the ball and I started crying. Yeah, I mean, like, sobbing hysterically. And, um, that's... <laughs> a shit cry is sort of, like, one of the worst things that you can go through. And it's, it was, it was just fucking terrible. You're emotionally raw, and, <laughs> you know, stuff's coming out of you, and both ends as <laughs> sorry not sorry so I cried my way through the shit or shat my way through the cry there was no stopping either and on top of all that I was yelling at myself like someone completely fucking unhinged it's like you fucking asshole how how could you do this to us how could you do this to her you know, just all of this anger. And eventually I finished what I had been in there for. But I stayed in the bathroom berating myself. And then it dawned on me. This is 35-year-old me. This is the guy who fell in love with the woman that 42-year-old me had just fucked everything up with. He was severely disappointed in me. He hated me. We had a good thing, and I fucked it up. And now what were we going to do? And that's the super important part, Jessica. It's a we. It's not just you. You're not alone. Like I said before, you're carrying all of these years with you, all of this experience that you've been through. And... A lot of times it's just hard to reconcile those different people and they show up at different times and it's your job to rein them in it's your job to soothe them it makes me think of another book by another writer Kristen Neff the book is called Self-Compassion and well I guess you can figure out what that's about Sometimes you can judge a book by its cover. And in that book, it talks about hugging yourself. Like literally putting your arms around yourself and soothing yourself. And so that's what I did right there in that bathroom. And I said to myself, I've got you. We will be okay. And today, Jessica... Three months later, we are. So my advice to you is to hug yourself and tell yourself, I've got you. We will be okay. Even if you don't believe it. And some of you won't. Some of your different inner folks, your inner kids, your whatever you want to call the old versions of you, they just won't believe it. All these younger versions who thought you'd be further along in life, more successful, married with kids, whatever the case is for you, they will be disappointed. But you have to tell them you're doing the best for them. Being a person is not easy. Especially not with all this disappointment and resentment you can carry with you. But you can't look back at that in anger. You can't look back at your former selves and be like, 
why aren't we further? Why aren't we wherever we wanted to be? Why aren't we better? And when you know that, when you understand that, you can work on being better. Self-compassion is practice, and practice takes patience. You are where you are. And if you tell yourself you need to be at a destination by X age, you can rob yourself of the pleasure of the journey. So just be you, where you are. You still have many, many years ahead of you, hopefully. When you're 29, what will your 28-year-old have to say to you? So whatever it is you're going through now that prompted you to write that into me, just know that it'll pass. And know that time is on your side. And if you're doing something that you don't like, change it. Nothing has to be permanent. You know, whether you're in a relationship that isn't going well, a job you hate, you feel stuck with the dreams that you have and you just can't seem to move forward. I mean, look, that 14-year-old in me that wanted to be a famous novelist by 28. I mean, I wrote large chunks of 10 novels I never finished. And it wasn't until I was 41 that I sat down with these former selves, especially that 14-year-old. And I was like, look, I'm gonna try something different. I'm going to put the novel writing aside and maybe one day we'll get back to it. Maybe one day we'll finish one, but we can't keep carrying that disappointment with us, okay? So chill the fuck out. I got you. One thing, and one very important thing that I wish I would have told myself at 28, let alone at many years, was love yourself. It's something that I've only recently started to do. Which brings me to Megan, another follower of mine who wrote in saying, Practicing self-love has helped me a lot. You really can't love someone else until you love you. Now, I've been preaching that same exact thing on my uh, Instagram stories far longer than I've been practicing it. But it's been by showing compassion to others through relating to them with my own stories that I've come to love myself and forgive myself and all of my younger selves for all of the mistakes we've made. That is the only way to move forward, I'm finding. Mistakes are how we learn, but forgiving ourselves and changing our behaviors are how we grow. And above all, our behaviors towards ourselves. Because if you can't be good to yourself, how can you expect to be good to anybody else when you just feel nothing but rotten inside? And how can you expect to believe that anybody else feels good towards you? Up until not too long ago, I don't know that I ever felt worthy of anyone I've ever been with. And that, in turn, always triggered anxiety and depression. Plus, there was the whole living with undiagnosed bipolar disorder. 
who knows how the fuck long. And self-medicating with drugs and alcohol that helped in the moment only added to my problems as time went on. I was always insecure with my partners. I always believed that whatever quote-unquote spell I had over them would be broken and they'd realize what a piece of shit I am and either leave me or kick me out or start cheating on me. Which just fed my anxiety and sent me into spirals of depression and worse substance abuse, which made me feel like more of a piece of shit. And I was always afraid to rock the boat whatever boat that I happened to be in at the time. I feared if I brought up something that I wanted that the other person wouldn't and things would just fall apart. And no matter how frustrated or unsatisfied I felt, it just wasn't worth sacrificing whatever happiness I did have. And so I stamped out my own desires and dreams just to maintain the status quo. Even if things weren't perfect, they were better than being alone, I told myself. I'm happy, I told myself. But just as you can self-medicate and push problems off for another time, you can get addicted to love and security, to putting yourself second and always being a people pleaser, just to maintain a sense of security and stability. The unknown is scary, as I said earlier. I mean, it's just, what do I do? Am I ever going to find love again? Am I ever going to be happy again? Everything always seems like it's just going to last forever. And it doesn't. Time always marches on. And in that time, you have experiences, both positive and negative. But you have opportunities to change opportunities to grow, you have opportunities to love yourself. One of my biggest problems has always been answering for other people. Like, for instance, if I was attracted to someone and it was it was a deep attraction, it was just like this absolute desire for them just overtook me. I would let it stay that way instead of approaching them, instead of being like, hey, you know, I'm worthy of your time and attention and potentially love. I would just tell myself, nah, no way. There's no way. And of course, I mean, that's based on prior experience. That's based on trauma. I mean, rejection is just another form of trauma. It's a very common form of trauma that we all go through. You know, even people that you look at and they're like, oh man, they just, they're so awesome. They're so good looking or whatever. They have their shit together. Those people have faced rejection too. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in this world who hasn't but it's how much you let that shape you. It's how much you let that affect you that's important. It's how much you allow you, yourself, to stand in your own way and 
trying not to do that anymore. I'm trying to believe in myself and have confidence for shit. The first time in my life. Because I used to have confidence. I always had these grand plans. But underneath them all was always this fear and this question of how? How could I possibly do that? How could I possibly make that happen? And the answer my brain always gave me, my anxiety, my low self-esteem, whatever you want to call it, was you can't. You won't. Don't even try. Don't even think about it. But now I'm doing my best to move forward, to be a better person, to love myself as I am. Which is a person with flaws, who makes mistakes, makes bad decisions, but also one who does good, you know? Within us, there is always the potential for good and bad. All of us. Even people that you would look at and think we're beyond redemption. We all have, and this is a word that I fucking hate because people use it for everything, we all have toxic traits. And whenever one person says another person is toxic, quite often they are just too afraid to own up to their own toxicity. Their own former selves that did some shitty things. And to be sure, I relapse. I will relapse. I will go back to my old habits from time to time. I will be 41 and 40 and 39 and 38 and so on. And that's okay. Not every day is going to be good, but every day is a chance to be better. To be a better version of yourself. To be the person that these former selves would look at and be like, ah, finally. And you know what? Fuck it. Welcome to story time with the sad bastard. I'm your host, Dave Tarnowski. Today, I'll be reading a wonderful short story by brilliant writer by the name of Sandra Cisneros called Eleven. What they don't understand about birthdays and what they never tell you is that when you're 11, you're also 10 and 9 and 8 and 7 and 6 and 5 and 4 and 3 and 2 and 1. And when you wake up on your 11th birthday, you expect to feel 11 but you don't. You open your eyes and everything's just like yesterday, only it's today. And you don't feel 11 at all. You feel like you're still 10, and you are, underneath the year that makes you 11. Like some days you might say something stupid, and that's the part of you that's still 10. Or maybe some days you might need to sit on your mama's lap because you're scared, and that's the part of you that's five. Or maybe one day, when you're all grown up, maybe you will need to cry, like if you're three, and that's okay. That's what I tell mama when she's sad and needs to cry. 
Maybe she's feeling three. Because the way you grow old is kind of like an onion, or like the rings inside a tree trunk, or like my little wooden dolls that fit one inside the other, each year inside the next one. That's how being 11 years old is. You don't feel 11, not right away. It takes a few days, weeks even, sometimes even months before you say 11 when they ask you. And you don't feel smart 11, not until you're almost 12. And that's the way it is. Only today I wish I didn't have only 11 years rattling inside me like pennies in a tin band-aid box. Today I wish I was 102 instead of 11, because if I was 102, I'd have known what to say when Mrs. Price put the red sweater on my desk. I would have known how to tell her it wasn't mine instead of just sitting there with that look on my face and nothing coming out of my mouth. Whose is this, Mrs. Price says, and she holds the red sweater up in the air for all the class to see. Whose? It's been sitting in the coat room for a month. Not mine, says everybody, not me. It has to belong to somebody, Mrs. Price keeps saying, but nobody can remember. It's an ugly sweater with red plastic buttons and a collar and sleeves all stretched out like you could use it for a jump rope. It's maybe a thousand years old and even if it belonged to me, I wouldn't say so. Maybe because I'm skinny. Maybe because she doesn't like me. That stupid Sylvia Saldivar says, I think it belongs to Rachel. An ugly sweater like that, all raggedy and old, but Mrs. Price believes her. Mrs. Price takes the sweater and puts it right on my desk. But when I open my mouth, nothing comes out. That's not, I don't, you're not, not mine, I finally say in a little voice that was maybe me when I was four. Of course it's yours, Mrs. Price says. I remember you wearing it once because she's older and the teacher. She's right and I'm not. Not mine, not mine, not mine. But Mrs. Price is already turning to page 32 in math problem number four. I don't know why, but all of a sudden I'm feeling sick inside, like the part of me that's three wants to come out of my eyes. Only I squeeze them shut tight and bite down on my teeth real hard and try to remember today I am 11, 11. Mama is making a cake for me tonight. And when Papa comes home, everybody will sing happy birthday, happy birthday to you. But when the sick feeling goes away and I open my eyes, the red sweater's still sitting there like a big red mountain. I move the red sweater to the corner of my desk with my ruler. I move my pencil and books and eraser as far from it as possible. I even move my chair a little to the right. Not mine, not mine, not mine. In my head, I'm thinking how long till lunchtime? How long till I can take the red sweater and throw it over the schoolyard fence or leave it hanging on a parking meter or bunch it up into a little ball and toss it in the alley? Except when math period ends, Mrs. Price says loud and in front of everybody, Now, Rachel, that's enough, because she sees I've shoved the red sweater to the tippy-tip corner of my desk and it's hanging all over the edge like a waterfall. But I don't care. Rachel, Mrs. Price says. She says it like she's getting mad. 
You put that sweater on right now and no more nonsense. But it's not. Now, Mrs. Price says. This is when I wish I wasn't 11 because all of the years inside of me, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1, are pushing at the back of my eyes when I put one arm through one sleeve of the sweater that smells like cottage cheese and then the other arm through the other and stand there with my arms apart like if the sweater hurts me and it does all itchy and full of germs that aren't even mine that's when everything I've been holding in since this morning since when Mrs. Price put the sweater on my desk finally lets go and all of a sudden I'm crying in front of everybody I wish I was invisible but I'm not I'm 11 and it's my birthday today and I'm crying like I'm three in front of everybody. I put my head down on the desk and bury my face in my stupid clown sweater arms. My face all hot and spit coming out of my mouth because I can't stop the little animal noises from coming out of me until there aren't any more tears left in my eyes and it's just my body shaking like when you have the hiccups. And my whole head hurts like when you drink milk too fast. But the worst part is right before the bell rings for lunch. That stupid Phyllis Lopez, who is even dumber than Sylvia Saldivar, says she remembers the red sweater as hers. I take it off right away and give it to her, only Mrs. Price pretends like everything's okay. Today I'm 11. There's a cake Mama's making for tonight, and when Papa comes home from work, we'll eat it. There'll be candles and presents, and everybody will sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, Rachel. Only it's too late. I'm 11 today. I'm 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. But I wish I was 102. I wish I was anything but 11 because I want today to be far away already. Far away like a runaway balloon, like a tiny O in the sky, so tiny. Tiny you have to close your eyes to see it. Well, that's it for this week, kids. (laughs) I'll see you all next week, and please remember to follow this podcast, rate, review, and please share with anyone who you think would benefit. The whole purpose of this is to help people feel seen, to help people feel that they are not alone, that their feelings are valid, and self-love, self-acceptance, these things are the most important things. These things will save this world. Please follow my Instagram accounts, Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, Don Trooper, and the Sad Bastard Pod. And submit your questions there, not just in the story stickers where I ask what's on your mind, but send me a DM. I might use your questions or responses or whatever it is on future episodes. Take care of yourselves and love yourselves above all. Taken me down, my friend As they usher me off to my end Well, I bid you adieu Well, I'll be 
seeing you soon. What they say around here. 